anxiety Maybe you have it too If so, you're not alone They're spiraling just like you Hi, welcome. Hi. Oh, this wasn't on. Make sure yours is on. Okay. Is it on? Yeah, you're good. I was like, that would have been bad. Good thing I was like messing around with it. Okay. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Spiraling. (laughs) Welcome to Spiraling. Please leave that in of us not knowing (laughs) if our microphones are on. We're very excited about this episode. We've been talking a lot about this. I feel like since I did your podcast, Mm -hmm. basically. It's just our favorite topic of conversation. But we are going to cover our personal anxiety toolkit. So basically the tips, tricks, tools that help us keep our shit together on the daily. Yeah, I feel like this is a really fun, positive episode. (laughs) Yes, because it's all the things that like actually help us. Yeah, which is is a good one. Yeah. But before we dive into that, shall we discuss our weekly spirals? Absolutely. Do you want to go first? I went first last week. You should okay, go first. I'll go first. So I think our I think I might know what your spiral is about, and I think <laughs> ours might be similar-ish because mine is also physical body related. I hurt my leg, as you know, but I'll tell the people listening. I think I maybe overdid it at exercise classes, or who knows? But I like pulled a muscle in my butt. I essentially broke my butt. That's you can't what- <laughs> help it that you are extremely athletic. Yeah, I'm so athletic. I'm basically an Olympian. And so I hurt something in my butt that's like making this pain all the way down my leg to my ankle, which is so weird and intense. And, you know, we live in New York and we're walking everywhere and, and it's really nice out and I like walking so much and it's getting better, I think, which is good. But I've been having to go to physical therapy twice a week. And it's, I'm just, my spiral is that I'm just like, will this ever heal? Am I ever going to get better? Is this going to be this chronic thing that's just going to like be a part of me? I wish this hadn't happened. I wish it, blah, 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 blah. That's Sports injury. Been. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I've really had any sports injuries in the past, but it's crazy how little stuff like that makes you A, appreciate when your body is oh my fully God, functioning. Oh so much, yeah. <laughs> and be like impacts your day-to-day being able to walk around is also such a lovely thing during the spring in new york i know that's very sad also we were unable to do our (laughs) traditional melissa wood health workout this morning because i was afraid of inadvertently exacerbating and it's our bonding and And, and it's one of our we'll get to it but it's one of our it also helps with our anxiety it does So my spiral is a little bit, oh, well, we didn't tie that up neatly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no neat way about it. You're going to keep going to physical therapy, right? Yeah. And it's going to get better, I hope. It's going to get better. And it's time and it's expensive to go. And it's just like, I'd rather be doing anything else, you know? I'd rather be like going to an exercise class (laughs) or like doing literally anything. But I don't know. I feel like it's like here to teach me something of like, maybe you should slow down or like maybe you don't need to be going to so many exercise. I think I was sort of like abusing exercise classes of like, oh, it's something I can like go to and I don't have to feel my feelings and it's a like <laughs> place I have to be, you know, especially like being in charge of my own schedule. So I feel like when this happened, it was like, okay, maybe you can just like, it's a reason to not have to go. Yeah. Yeah. It was very know. wise and introspective of you. My spiral is similarly physical, but I've just had this sinus infection for the past, it's been three and a half weeks now. And I felt it coming on. I don't get sinus infections a lot, but I just sort of know 
I knew that it was a sinus infection. It's also the worst allergy season in New York in like a decade. So I kept convincing myself maybe it was allergies. So I didn't go to the doctor and I didn't go to the doctor, which is a bad habit of mine. I don't go to the doctor. I don't go to the dentist. I don't go to any of these things. It's terrible. So I put that off and I was doing all like my best homeopathic recipe, recipes. They are recipes, some of them. Remedies and neti potting and all that shit. And what's happened is that in addition to feeling shitty, because it's been going on so long, I got into the spiral that you were just talking about of like, is this going to last forever? Am I always going to feel this shitty? <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? But also it's had such a negative impact on my sleep because I've been so congested that I haven't been getting enough sleep. And sleep is a big anxiety trigger for me. So when my sleep schedule is off, I just feel sort of on edge and everything, you know, when you're tired, everything seems worse, but also my anxiety, I just sort of feel that gentle hum at all times when I'm overtired. So in addition to feeling that way, the guilt of then not going to the doctors, which I finally did this week, and he was like, why the fuck have you not come in sooner? Like, here is a very intense course of antibiotics. Like, yes, you have a raging sinus infection. And then I felt guilty for not going and being like, why did you not help yourself? You are responsible for feeling this way. And that sort of weird anxiety, guilt cycle that I'm usually really good about handling. So it was a good sort of reminder, not just to take it a little bit easier, because that was hard to do the past few weeks, just because I've had meetings and stuff that have been on the books for a while, and I just could not shift them. So Mm -hmm. usually I would take it easy and rest because that's the only way to get better kind of with a sinus infection or anything else for that matter. But I just kept pushing through because I felt like I had to and I honestly kind of did. And I just kept feeling worse and worse. And it was a good reminder to a take a step back and really focus on my sort of day to day health and anxiety management tools, which is why it's very apt that we are recording this right now, because basically all the things we're going to talk about, I've been employing very in a very regimented manner for the past because you've needed a couple more. weeks because yeah. I've needed them more yeah before we talk about our tools can I ask you a question about yes. anxiety guilt because I think mm. that's such a to me I have so much anxiety around guilt and like especially when it's something I could have done better like with this body thing that I have and kind of what you were saying of like you could have gone to the doctor earlier and for me it's like I could have not gone to that second yoga class when my leg was already hurting or I could have not you know like I did this to myself does that do you feel like there's like a play of guilt that exasperates anxiety when it's something you you feel like you could have controlled better yes and I think that's the same I have to employ the same tactic that I employ sort of surrounding anxiety, guilt in relationships where I beat myself up and I'm like, "Uh, have I like annoyed this person or been a burden or whatever? And I have to remind myself that that's just not the case. I'm projecting those emotions onto them. In this case, I just have to remind myself that I'm like, yeah, sure. I should have gone to the doctor sooner or maybe you shouldn't have gone to that yoga class, but we did. We can't change the past. (laughs) We did what we did. And ultimately hindsight is twenty twenty, And you know, my fucking favorite saying is you can't connect the dots for- going forward. You can only connect them going back. So we had no way of, yeah. you had no way of knowing that yoga class was going to exacerbate things. 
for all I knew, maybe I wasn't going to go to the doctor and take antibiotics, which are now currently tearing up my stomach. And I was going to drink some extra ginger tea and like, it would have worked. Yeah. It would have worked. And sometimes it does. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I think it's really just being nicer to ourselves and treating ourselves like we would treat our friend who had an injury or wasn't feeling well, which would not to be like, I cannot believe you went to that yoga class. Yeah, Katie. Yeah, like, yeah. how fucking stupid. <laughs> no, that's really, <laughs> that's really helpful. Yeah. Cause it's like, I think you can just think it's basically being like, regret is a waste of time. Like, we did the best we could for what we had. And that still can be frustrating and uncomfortable of like, I wish it had been different. It would have maybe healed quicker. We would have been out of the situation quicker, but we didn't. And this is what we have to work with and just like accepting that and moving forward. Yeah. And that's the same. I feel like when you think back on ways that you've handled past spirals or interactions or panic attacks, you always can think of things that you could could have, would have, should have done differently. Yeah. And it's your, like you said, it's a regret is a waste of time. It's a waste of your brain space. And it's actually what, fe- for me, it's what feeds my anxiety. It's like, I know my anxiety likes oh, yeah. when I feel guilty or I'm like, I should have done this. It's like, yeah, keep going, girl. Yes. That- <laughs> so that's, that is literally the definition of a spiral. It just keeps feeding itself and getting more and more excited that you're feeling worse. <laughs> Okay, this is a good lead into our tools. When you are on that sort of a spiral where you're regretting something or you're feeling guilty about something, what do you do to pivot quickly? Like, do you just quickly try to think about something else? Do you distract yourself? What do you do? I think for the quick pivots, it's something where I try to, A, reframe the situation. And sometimes it's helpful to go into a worst case scenario, you know, thinking and like, be like, whatever you're thinking is going to happen, here's the actual worst thing can ha- that can happen. It's not that bad. Or I will try to distract myself. But I think that a big distractor for me is reading. And I'm, obviously, if I'm having sort of a cycle like this in the middle of the day, that's not, I'm not going to stop, drop it and pick up my novel. <laughs> yeah. But I think the bit like, so we can come back to reading, but I think my biggest anxiety management tool that I've learned over the years, it sounds so basic and is ridiculous to say out loud, but it's so important is to breathe. And it's not, I just think it's such an underrated tool and people are like, Oh no shit, Sherlock. Like I have to breathe in and out. But I do think that when you're feeling anxious, whether you're in a spiral or you're just experiencing generalized low grade anxiety or having a panic attack, we aren't focusing on our breath. And sometimes, you know, if you're having a panic attack, you will actually hyperventilate. I'm not somebody who hyperventilates, but a lot of people do. Do you hyperventilate ever? Not really. My heart beats really, really fast and I get really like sweaty and yeah, I get breathing's not something that's happening easily, but it's not hyperventilating really. So breathing for me doesn't necessarily mean meditation of any kind, although it is sort of mindfulness meditation Mm -hmm. to just stop, take a few deep breaths, really focus on your breath moving in and out of your body. But also it's a good reminder that your body is still functioning. Do you know what I like? It sounds so hilarious, but you're like, I'm still breathing, which is why sometimes I also, in addition to breathing, hydration is a big thing for me. And 
A, it's really important to stay hydrated in general. Dehydration is often a trigger for a lot of people in terms of like who struggle with anxiety on a regular basis, but also the act of swallowing water. I'm like, oh, you are still able to swallow. Yeah. You are not dying. <laughs> yeah. I think we maybe talked about that in another episode. I was commenting of like- On how much water yeah. I drink. Yeah, <laughs> and you are like that- so what are your what are your other tools? So we talked about breathing. Yes. We talked about hydration. You told me before about acknowledging the panic. Is that like a mantra you say to yourself? That it's not a mantra so much as it is just it's just a dis- well, it's more of like a conversation I have with myself in the sense that we talked a lot about this in the language episode. I understand now what's happening when I have anxiety. So I will know that if my heart rate is speeding up or my head is feeling a little weird or I have a pain in my arm or I'm itchy sometimes, like, oh, these are symptoms of panic. You have experienced these before. You are not dying. Yeah. (laughs) You're having a panic attack or you're just feeling anxious and it will pass. And sometimes just naming the anxiety takes away a lot of the fear because early on before I was able to name my anxiety and acknowledge when I was feeling it or very specifically having a panic attack, I would just be like, what is happening? What is happening? Am I dying? Like how make it stop, make it stop. And I was so focused on making it stop that I was unable to leave that state because I was, I kept, focusing on like making it stop. And sometimes you can't. And that's why riding it out is such an important thing. Sometimes just leaning into it and being like, the longest this can last is X amount of minutes and I'm going to come out the other side. But just being able to be like, I am panicking. I have had this feeling before it will pass is very calming for me. Do you have that at all? Just like being able to know that you're experiencing anxiety and feel better about it? That's something I've learned from you like in the past six months of like, being able to name anxiety and just say that like, oh, this is what's happening. I'm feeling anxious. That's something that like, not even in the past six months, like since I've been friends with you and like seeing you talk about it, like, oh, okay, this isn't, like I had a really broad or no, really specific idea of what anxiety was, but I feel like my, my, and hopefully this podcast does this for people. It broadened my understanding of what anxiety was and what it what the scope of it was of something that I was just like, I'm feeling weird. I don't know why I'm feeling weird. I'm like, oh, this is anxiety. And just like <laughs> yes. explaining that to myself. A lot. It's like when, what you were saying is like what they say about a car accident. Like if you tense up, like you're yes. likely to break more bones. If you just like let go and be like, this is what's happening. And then it's still uncomfortable, but it moves through you. And I feel like it's like what you resist persists basically. Oh, yes. Wait, have I never heard that before? I think that's like an Alanis Morissette. <laughs> song. <laughs> like, I think Love it's it. like a saying. Oh, I mean, biggest anxiety tool for me is therapy, but we did a whole episode yes. on that. So we're just going to acknowledge that, yes. leave that out For both there. of us, yeah. We love therapy, biggest proponents of all time. For me, movement has been such a game changer. I was a potato for like 29 years of my life. And did not exercise basically at all. I mean, I was forced to play sports as a child and in high school. And then in college, I like rolled around on a yoga mat from time to time. And I think I ran like, I remember actually running two miles and calling 
everyone I knew and being like, I ran two consecutive miles. <laughs> That's a lot. I will never do I this again. I don't think I've done that ever. <laughs> uh, Actually, I weirdly did cross country in middle school, really? which is so random. Yeah, in middle school. And I remember being having the same feeling of like, oh my God, I've ran more than one consecutive mile and being so shocked because in gym class, running the mile was like the hardest thing it's in the, the world. Worst. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm proud of you for running two <laughs> miles you. 10 I years ago. I would bring that up <laughs> for the head pat. But I didn't really exercise for most of my 20s and other than walking. And my therapist would constantly tell me, if you would exercise, your anxiety would be significantly better. There is a lot of research to back this <laughs> up. And you do, you are sedentary. And basically what pushed me over the hump in terms of like getting me to exercise was twofold. One, Logan was like, I don't know how to say this without being offensive. Like you're so beautiful and I love you so much, but you are the least physically fit person I know. (laughs) And he was like, I'm legitimately afraid for your long-term health. Like I could not put my suitcase in the overhead bin. Like could not. I'm still very bad at that. And I would, I think what really hit home for me was I used to get winded walking up to our third floor apartment. Like it was two short flights of stairs and I'd be like, <sighs> and I was like, you are young human. Like, why are you like this? And ultimately I'm not ashamed to say that it was vanity that like got me to do it because when I was getting married, I was like, oh, like toned arms would be nice. And so I started trying different exercise classes and ultimately discovered that I loved yoga and it was wild because the first class I couldn't even do like one chaturanga and then you know a few months later I could do a million and so that was wonderful but I would say after the first month of consistently doing it I noticed the enormous impact that it had had on my anxiety and you know how you don't really notice stuff like day to day but you look back on a few weeks or a month or a couple months and I was like holy shit, like I have not been that anxious. The only thing I've changed is that I've been exercising. So I know it's that. And then obviously I very proudly reported this to my therapist and he's like, congratulations. I'm glad it only took you 10 years to listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) But it just, it's the, sure, it's the endorphins, but it's also the, for me, the routine element Mm -hmm. is super helpful. I thrive on routine. Me too. The more routine I have, the less anxious I am. Yes. So doing exercising first thing in the morning for a long time, I was going to classes in the morning. Now I do a lot of at home workouts. Shout out to Melissa Wood Health. (laughs) So we usually do together. (laughs) Which is what we usually do together. And just starting my day with that gives me such a boost. It also helps me feel more productive, but it just, I, I genuinely feel like it opens up a little bit of space in in my brain and just takes my amygdala. I feel like I wake up with my amygdala already overstimulated. Like I wake up some most days feeling a little bit anxious, like right when I wake up. And that first thing workout helps me sort of get back to zero. And I realize I just talked about exercise more than <laughs> hydration and breathing is important too. But this has been just it's changed. My, it's actually changed my life. And it feels so ridiculous to be like, exercise changed my life. Like, it's such an obvious thing, but I can't recommend it enough. And it doesn't have to be a crazy, super sweaty thing either. Mm-hmm. And for some people, you know, you get a runner's high. I've never experienced runner's high. I've never <laughs> run long enough. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's also a wonderful thing. And I also think if you're struggling to 
overcome anxiety in earlier stages, which is so scary and hard. And I feel like you're closer to that than Mm -hmm. I am right now. I wish I had started exercising consistently sooner because also the trajectory of starting out quote unquote weak and then getting progressively stronger. It's just provided me kind of with confidence and motivation to face fears because I was genuinely afraid of going to workout classes and doing these things. So I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And having that muscle memory of my brain actually being like, no, 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 you can do something. And the more you do something, the stronger you get. It's been this wonderful reminder that when it comes to something like tackling anxiety, which is a long-term struggle, that the more you work towards management, the better at it you get. And I just think that's a wonderful source of motivation to keep you on track because people are like, how do you stay motivated to work out? And for me, it's pretty easy because I know, I remember what it felt like when I wasn't working out and it has nothing to do. Like the vanity aspect of it is great. But honestly, for me, I think that the vanity thing, it's like a side effect. It's a side effect. And honestly, when it comes to things, I think what you eat is incredibly important Mm -hmm. in terms of weight loss or maintenance or whatever you want to think about in, in that realm of aesthetics, there is no replacement for exercise when it comes to your mental health. I think that's really important because I think for me with exercise, it was always a fear. Like I exercise out of fear, like in in a vanity way, honestly, of like, well, if I don't do this, I'm afraid of how I will look or I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. And it really just like fed my eating disorder. Like it was just like doing this from a place of fear, it wasn't going to be something that's sustainable. And realizing that exercise has an effect on my mental health. And really the the biggest thing is the routine aspect of mm-hmm. it for me. And I think we should talk about that. Like that's my biggest anxiety helper is routine. Like I, my anxiety really manifests in decision-making. Like it's really hard for me to make decisions and to like going, being someone who's in charge of how I spend my day, that's been really challenging for me. Like there's so many decisions I have to make every single day, having consistent anchors, I guess, and making exercise one of those is really useful. And it gives you like that sense of accomplishment that can kind of create some momentum for the rest of your day, which I think is what you were talking about of like, you started off doing this thing that was hard or challenging slightly. And then you feel like you can do the rest of the day and it builds up that muscle. And then also like the piece you're talking about of, of showing your strength over time. I haven't really gotten there with exercise yet. Like I feel like I haven't (laughs) actually gotten stronger, but who knows, maybe I have, but I don't know. I, I think just what you said of it not having to be something really hard or really challenging or, you know, sweating buckets, like that speaks to the fact that it's not really an aesthetic thing. It's just the act of doing something and moving your body, even if it's, you know, just a walk or doing some exercise that's functional, moving your legs, like feeling, being in your body, getting back into your body is useful. And that's, that's what I wanted to follow this up with is, First of all, as somebody who just recently got into exercise, movement has still been a crucial anxiety management tool prior to my finished journey. (laughs) I used to just get up when I was really in a bad place and walk around the block or do some very casual stretching on the floor. 
because being able to move my body was again, like you said, getting back into your physical body and being like, I'm not dying if I can still move my legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that again, just like swallowing, your body is still functioning as it should. And that in and of itself is calming, but also getting outside and moving the combination of fresh air, moving your legs, getting a little bit of blood flowing. There's studies that show that just breathing outside versus indoor air. Yeah. I mean, unless you're like in the middle of Hong Kong or somewhere very polluted, (laughs) it does wonders for your brain and it just sends, you know, those happy chemicals to your brain and it's worth I think that's something that everyone can do. Even if you're in an office environment, you're not going to get fired for taking, it can literally be as much as walking downstairs to get outside, taking two breaths outside and walking back mm-hmm. upstairs. And it can just help you get yourself into a more manageable mind space. Yeah. Anything to get out of your head and into your body, I think is helpful. I read this thing once. It was an article, an interview with Jewel, who talks a lot of the oh recording artist. She has anxiety. And she talks about her anxiety a lot. And she said this thing, which I wonder if if you've heard this to be useful for anxiety, of engaging your senses is really useful. Mm-hmm. So smelling something, tasting something, feeling something like gets you back into the present moment. And anxiety is about leaving the present moment and spiraling about yeah. something or thinking about the past or the future. And So I thought that that was really useful. She like carries essential oil in her bag. And then like if she was having travel anxiety, she would like smell the essential oil. Or like for me, like taking a sip of hot tea, like making some tea and sitting down and just like doing one thing is really useful. Has that been something that? Yes. For me, what I just latched onto that is like, oh, tea. I love tea. (laughs) But also the ritual, like the ritualistic aspects of things, whether that's smelling something, tasting something, drinking something. I often make either warm calcium magnesium, which is just, first of all, a lot of people are magnesium deficient. And one of the symptoms of a magnesium deficiency is anxiety. Even if you have plenty of magnesium, a little calcium magnesium won't hurt. I use natural vitality, natural calm. My mom started giving it to me like uh, 20 years ago. And it's still one of my favorite things to drink when I'm anxious because honestly, I have no fucking clue if it actually does anything. But it's a wonderful placebo for me because, and I think what actually calms me down about it is like possibly the calcium magnesium, but possibly the act of knowing that I'm doing something that has worked in the past. Again, that muscle memory, going to the stove and boiling water, waiting for the water to boil, then mixing the cocktail and then drinking it. All of those things are ritualistic and have calmed me in the past. So I convince myself that they will continue to work for me. Sometimes they work better than others, but again, it's worth a shot. And I think that's the same thing with tea. I've, I've started actually drinking tea every afternoon around four. And I didn't notice I was doing this until I was out at four the other day. And I was like, oh, it's tea time. And I think I've, again, with routine, I tend, my anxiety tends to peak in the afternoon and I must have started drinking tea at some point in the afternoon because that's when my anxiety was peaking. And no, even if I'm not feeling anxious, I still make the tea around four because it's a ritual now. Yeah. I think figuring out what works for you and those routines and those anchors are so helpful. And then on the other end, are there anything 
we have more to cover, but when we were talking about tea, I made me think of coffee. Like, are there any things of like having too much coffee or any yes. things that are kind of like anti helpers for you? Oh, <laughs> that may be a whole new, a whole nother episode, but I just mm, thought of mm. it. I mean, caffeine for me is a big anxiety trigger. Yeah. So when I'm going through particularly anxious spells, I have zero caffeine, but on a daily basis, I can tolerate one cup of coffee without feeling anxious. And that's all that I have. But caffeine is a big trigger. So is alcohol for me. So I, first of all, love me some booze. I like the taste. (laughs) I like the act of drinking. Like I love booze. But for me, if I'm not feeling anxious, no problem with drinking alcohol. But if I'm going through an anxious phase, if I have one drink, it doesn't really calm me down. It actually, I feel things start to buzz and it makes me feel more anxious. But what will really get to me is the fucking hangover. So if I have a bunch of drinks, naturally, like your serotonin is depleted. Essentially, what, what a hangover is, is like your body going through very mild alcohol withdrawal. Like you're, you're, assen- you're essentially experiencing like a very low level detox. Uh-huh. And for normal people, you know, they're nauseous, they feel shitty, whatever. I think I may die when I'm super hungover and I get so anxious. Like I cannot handle the come down. My brain is like, why? Because alcohol is a depressant. So my yeah. brain is like, why is this happening? And then I will feel sad. I will feel super anxious. There were periods when my anxiety was peaking in my early 20s where when I was super hungover, I would be in the dark, in the bathroom, fetal position, crying because like I was so anxious. And then again, the guilt would set in and you would be like, you know, this happens. Why did you do this? Yeah. <laughs> and now that I'm older, A, I don't, party like the rock star that 22 year old (laughs) Serena was but I also now have the language that when I'm super hungover I'm like you're fucking panicking because you're hungover you did this to yourself you're gonna be fine rest rest drink more water yeah (laughs) make some fucking tea (laughs) somebody told me that and I think it's the same for coffee too that alcohol and about alcohol, but I think it's the same for caffeine, is will exasperate whatever feeling you're already feeling. So if you're feeling happy, it'll like yes. make you feel more happy. If you're already feeling low, it's going to make you feel more low. And as someone who's new to drinking, like I was so obsessed with food and dieting that I like didn't drink in all the normal years that people would drink. Yeah. So I came to drinking later, which is a whole nother podcast, a whole nother yes. conversation. <laughs> um, I actually wrote, I'll, I'll link to it. I wrote this article about my first hangover, which happened Ooh. when I was like old basically. And it was actually really good for me because it made me really present and really in my body and like, oh, this is a thing to experience. This is part of the human experience. And it was actually a positive thing for me. Like I needed, like how, you know, enjoying food and finding pleasure in food is actually like a good thing when you've been disordered with that. it, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll send it to you. But yeah, so this whole, this whole, my whole thought process around this is like, whatever you're feeling, it will just make that, it'll just amplify that. So like, if you're, if you're in a good spot, having caffeine will just like make me feel higher. You yeah. know, it's, it's definitely a high. I just started drinking coffee in the last six months too. And if I'm already feeling jittery and Katie I'm already anxious loves about things, drinks. I love drinks. Now I love I, my drinks. Like, I, I like liquid. This. Yes. Liquids. <laughs> we covered this in the first episode. I love drinks. But yeah, it's real. it's been 
it, it affects me so much because I'm yeah. like newer to these things and I just have to really keep that in mind. That's why I, now that you say that, I think that's why champagne drunk is my favorite drunk because you're always drinking champagne to celebrate something. Yeah. Or and for the most part. I also drink champagne like to not celebrate, but then it's still a celebration. Yeah. Anyway. So yes, caffeine, alcohol, sugar. Mm-hmm. Sugar for me, again, uh, just if I have a lot of it, like a sugar high is experienced by me as a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. I find for me too, like if I, like I love eating fruit and I like kind of foods that are like kind of lighter like that. Yeah. And if I have- Natural sugar is okay for me though. If I have a lot of that without having any like protein or anything, it's like that like blood sugar high, yes. like that's never a good thing. Like My, I need to like- I was, I was more talking like a sour patch kid high, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like a refined sugar high, but yes, sugar in general. So my big three are caffeine, alcohol, and sugar. So in particularly anxious phases, I have none, which is not fun. But on the day-to-day, I just try to moderate it. Mm -hmm. So like I don't drink a ton anymore, especially during the week. I have my one cup of coffee and then I just limit refined sugar. And again, for me, because I know that anxiety is a lifelong thing, I've just been able to reframe these things because mm-hmm. people are like, oh, like that's so depressing, like that you can't have a ton of sugar or alcohol or caffeine forever. And I'm like, okay, let's not think about it like that. Yeah. Instead, it's sort of like exercise. Instead of being like, oh, I have to work out. I'm like, I'm doing this nice thing for myself that makes me feel good. And I honestly, I don't give a fuck how touchy-feely that sounds. It's like, I have made a choice to not have more than one cup of coffee because one cup of coffee makes me happy. Two cups of coffee makes a girl feel crazy and that's okay. Totally. It's not like that I've had to limit my life. This just is my life. And I feel happy about having figured out the things that are triggers because it's far worse to not know the triggers and then not be able totally. to adjust accordingly. Yeah. I feel like this is something that I really admire you about is that you are someone who really enjoys their life and you're not like cutting out things just to cut things out. There are people who just like cut things out to cut them out. And, and then like, <laughs> are, and I've been one of those people, you know, of like, oh, I can't have gluten and dairy and sugar and all these things. And like, but also you can have these things in moderation and you can like know what works for you and figure it out. But just also being aware of like, these things affect your temperament and knowing it's just self-awareness, like knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. And I admire you a lot in that because you're not someone who's doing this from, you know, for a, for the wrong reason you're doing, you know, yourself, you know, what works for you and you, you still have coffee every once yes. in a while and you'll still like have a drink and, and you're like fun to be I around. Want, you I know? want to be very clear about the fact that just because you can be aware of your triggers and living a lifestyle that accommodates those or takes those things into account, that doesn't mean that you can't still ignore those things and then understand the consequences are going to be a little bit of an anxious spell. And again, that you'll be okay. Like yeah. I, cause I, I still do that. It's like the most, the thing that comes to mind is like every time I go to Vegas for like a bachelorette or for anything, I, I love Vegas. <laughs> I love that you love Vegas. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to get my boobs out. I'm going to drink all the alcohol in Vegas. I'm going to, you know, suck up all the pure oxygen pumped into the hotels. I'm going to sleep zero. And then I'm going to come home. I'm going to have big fat panic attack and then go on with my life. <laughs> I'm just like envisioning like the pink girly version of the hangover. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> 
We both love therapy so much that we devoted an entire episode to it. BetterHelp makes therapy accessible and so easy. Both Serena and I actually speak to our therapist remotely, which we prefer because it saves us so much time instead of schlepping to and from the office and devoting almost double time to therapy. We can get our time of the session in in the actual session time. You can assess your needs and match yourself with a licensed therapist and start communicating with them in under 24 hours. Service is also available for clients worldwide. And it's not a crisis line. It's also not self-help. It's a professional counseling service that is done securely online. And they have a broad range of experts in BetterHelp's counselor network. And that might not be available in many areas. You can log into your account at any time and message your counselor. And you'll get a thoughtful, timely response. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. No sitting in uncomfortable waiting rooms like traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it really, really easy and free to change counselors if you need to. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available, which we both really appreciate. You can visit their website and read many, many testimonials that are posted there daily. So go to their website. That's betterhelp.com slash spiraling and join over 500,000 people improving their lives through therapy. We also have a special offer for spiraling listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash spiraling. Thank you, BetterHelp. We love you. We do. Just to segue this into arguably after therapy, my biggest anxiety management tool is my diet, which incorporates obviously, you know, caffeine, limiting caffeine, sugar, alcohol, but it's also like I up my intake of certain foods that have a positive impact on my anxiety. So foods that have a lot of B vitamins, foods that have tryptophan, magnesium, heavy foods. So things that I know have a positive impact. So like there's a limiting element, but there's also a sort of attentive, conscious increased intake of certain foods. So like things like that's so important. Turkey, salmon, foods with a lot of antioxidants. I eat a lot of like blueberries and I eat a lot of cashews. <laughs> Just things that I know actually boost my mood mm-hmm. in addition, you know, so like there's a prevention aspect, but then you also want to seek out things that make you feel extra good. Yeah. And so I get really people ask me a lot how I sort of stay again stay motivated to eat healthily just like I stay motivated to exercise and for me also I grew up in California so we had access to amazing produce and I've always sort of eaten healthily but for me like a I think the meals that I make with healthy foods taste really good so I'm excited mm-hmm. about them but I'm also excited about how I feel after I eat them and I think that's a great motivating factor yeah. it's like you're gonna eat this thing and then you're gonna feel smarter and prettier and calmer and it's gonna be glorious yeah that's so interesting and like so needed for me because as someone who has restricted food so much and can be really good at that unfortunately 
there's a high you get with like not eating. Like there's this high, which is not a healthy thing and not something I condone, that we condone at all in this podcast. <laughs> but it's true. Like that would be something that would happen to me. There's like, oh, you know, there was this, it gave me dopamine in my mind to judge myself Ooh. in that way of like, oh, you like haven't eaten much today. And you have like, it, I made myself special and good, but also it made my anxiety insane. It made me feel so jittery and anxious and like, and it will still happen. That was when I was very disordered, obviously yes. now I'm eating. But if I've like skipped a meal or or I've just like been out too long and like my blood sugar's gone down and I haven't eaten and whatever for not in a restricted, I haven't been doing it on purpose, but it's just the way the cookie crumbled that day. I notice instantly I feel more anxious and I feel when I eat something, it can slow. It's, it helps. You yeah. Know? No, I mean the crazy thing. And again, I want to, I want to mention this to anybody that just to flag it for anybody who may not have noticed this about themselves. Cause it took me several years to notice it is when I go through a particularly anxious spell, I drop weight very quickly and unintentionally. And it's usually Logan or my mom or somebody who'll be like, how are you feeling? Cause I'll be like, oh, like I've been really anxious. And they're like, yeah. Cause like I, this is annoying to some people who think that it's like a diet, like an actual dieting thing to lose weight. Mm -hmm. But when I am very anxious, I forget to eat. I have no appetite. So I will have to check in with myself and be like, have you fed and watered yourself today? Yeah. And a lot of times when the answer is no, I don't remember the lot or I have it's four and I'm like, shit, you haven't eaten since breakfast, then I will actively go and make myself something to eat. And sometimes it's hard to get it down. It really is. Like it's hard to swallow it and it does not taste good going down because I'm not hungry and whatever. But after I get the food in and the water in, because I'll forget to drink too, and hydration is so important, I will feel instantly better. Mm -hmm. So if you are somebody who may not the flip of this is some people anxious eat. It's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's different than stress eating, but it is a thing. If you are somebody who may not notice that you are depriving yourself unintentionally, yep. just pay attention. It's such an easy question to ask yourself, like, are you fed and watered? Yeah. And just like having a bar in your, in your yes. backpack or like having a little snack with you. I think that's important. And, and this is a good thing, I think, to flag the difference between you and I. And for chronic dieters or disordered eaters, their tendency is to, when they're upset is to turn to food. And for most people who haven't been like you, who haven't been chronic dieters or disordered eaters, it's to, when you're upset and anxious, it's to not eat. Like that's our normal physical response as humans is to not want to eat during that. And so just to notice, like you may be like Serena or you may be like me, where like you turn to food when you're upset or you deny food, just like literally giving yourself some sort of routine of like looking at it, like, have I eaten enough today? Have I eaten things that make me feel good? That really affects your mood more than just like all of the stimulants and everything else. Food is another one of those. Good Such and an that, important yeah. point. So, okay, let's see. We've talked breathing. We've talked mm -hmm. water. We've movement. talked movement. We've talked diet um, and acknowledging the panic therapy. I forgot to talk about CBD. Yeah. My favorite thing. Yes. Um, we love CBD. <laughs> I CBD is super popular right now, but I think most people forget that it's been around for a while, but it didn't sort of start really taking off until, yeah. I don't know, what do you think, two years ago? Yeah. Year and a half ago? Two, I heard two about it ago? two years ago. So I was really scared to try it because I hate to be high. I'm the worst high person. And do you get more anxious? Oh my God, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, I same. need like, I am 
in a corner. All I want when I'm high is to like stop being high and also to have a trough of potato chips. (laughs) Yeah. That is all I want. The last time I got high, I was like, Oh, I'm de- I'm definitely dying. I'm gonna have to go to the hospital. That's what's happening with that. Like I was just so I like sure. I, yes, I'm the worst. And anytime somebody wants to like get high with me, I'm like, they're like, oh, I think you'd be so fun to get high with. I'm like, do you not know me at all? <laughs> <laughs> so I was afraid that CBD would get me high, despite everyone being like, no, there is CBD with a non psycho amount psychoactive amount of THC. Which, to be clear, everyone. CBD must have a small, small, small amount of THC in order to work, but they make CBD with THC and then they make it with a non-psychoactive amount so it cannot possibly get you high. Despite people telling me this, I was like, nah, I'm going to be the one person that gets high. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually I just decided, fuck it. I'll try it once. If something terrible happens, it will, you know, I made Logan be at home the day I tried it and I was like, there's an ER around the corner. I'm going to make it. <laughs> so I tried Lord Jones was the first brand that I exper- experimented with because it's the, you know, Rolls Royce of CBD. Mm-hmm. It's the most popular one. And one of the first name brands. So I was like, okay, I try this. It's so expensive. It pisses me off, but it was so effective. But if you want to sponsor us, uh, feel yes. free. <laughs> it was so effective though. And sort of provides, just sort of an instant sense of calm. I will say as somebody who has taken Xanax in the past and hated it, I had to personally have a bad reaction to Xanax. It is not like that. Like people have asked me if taking, you know, eating a CBD gummy or using a CBD oil is going to give them the same relief as a Xanax. If you're somebody who gets relief from a Xanax, no, it's not going to be the same feeling. It's very different. It's a mm-hmm. gentle mellowing. I don't feel remotely dulled at all. I feel sharp as a tack and I just feel like I can breathe. I feel like that sort of buzzing underneath the surface that we've talked about is quieted. I don't take it every day. I only take it when I feel anxiety creeping in. So because it doesn't dull you, you can take it at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and go about your day. You can also take it before bed because, which actually Logan does and he's not even anxious. It just relaxes you. It doesn't make you fall asleep. It just relaxes you, which makes it easier to fall asleep. And it's been such a great tool for me. I now use Highline Wellness. I'm obsessed with them. Uh, I find that 10 milligrams works for me. The Lord Jones gummies were 20, so I would have to bite them in half, which was really annoying. But it's just such a helpful sup like it's a, I, I don't know do we call it a supplement yeah i think yeah, it is it's such a helpful supplement and has been such a welcome addition to my routine when like i feel like everything else is not necessarily taking the edge off mm-hmm. cbd has just been a game changer and i feel like it's not remotely habit forming or anything and like i don't walk around within my purse or anything so i do think that Again, we are not doctors. If you are, mm-hmm. the CBD is not a replacement for medication, and as far as I know, it may have drug interaction. So please be very, very careful yeah. with it. But yeah, I love it. What do you think about CBD? I was on this meditation retreat like two years ago, and my friend who has a podcast, Pete Holmes, was using this brand Charlotte's Web all the mm-hmm. time, and he 
like passed around the dropper and was like, try this stuff. And I kind of was like, this is probably going to make me high. Like I had no <laughs> idea what it was. And the way he talks about it, he says it makes him a little, like it smooths the edges and makes him like a little quicker to laugh and makes him feel like mm. he's like in his body more. And so I was like, that sounds nice. And I didn't really feel like too much of an effect of it. Like I don't, like, I don't think it affects me that much, but I've tried a bunch of different brands since then. Like I worked with Charlotte's Web on the podcast. I worked with this company, Ned, that I really love. Mm -hmm. This company, Cured Nutrition, makes CBD snacks that I like. So I've tried all these different brands. And I think it's kind of like, you know, if you you drink alcohol in an empty stomach or Mm -hmm. it's going to affect you so differently than if you have had a full meal. I feel like CBD, I'm still trying to figure, like I love that you know, like 10 milligrams, that's your your dose and you know how it makes you feel. I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out because depending on the day, sometimes it will affect me and kind of give me that sense that, and depending on the brand, I'm still figuring out what works for me and how it affects my anxiety. I'm not really sure, but I do know that, Every once in a while, I'll take it and I'll be like, oh, this, I don't know if it's placebo, like the tea or what, but it's like, I like this. I think this was a useful thing, you know? And I do think the plus, the possible placebo element is important in terms of literally everything we're totally. talking about today. Does it matter if something actually works or if, you know, on Who a cares? chemical yeah. level or if you just feel like it works because they both the same thing. Totally. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but no I do think you're so right about experimentation because I have some of my friends need 20 milligrams to actually feel anything. I'm a hypersensitive human, so mm-hmm. I know that about myself, but also different formulations. Like some people say that the gummies give them a headache. Other people, I, like for me, I feel the gummies, whatever the formulation is in them, works better for me than tincture. But again, probably in my head. Also, I fucking love gummy candy. Yeah. So it could just be that. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> that may get, gives the you like a dose of. I get from yeah. a ju- gummy bear. It's like 10 milligrams of dopamine. Yes. And I've also tried some other supplements over the years that I've liked. There was a specific blend called Anxiety IQ from a company called BioIQ that I took pretty consistently for a while and really liked that. And it's just like a blend of herbs. I've also been prescribed herbs by various acupuncturists over the years that have like really helped and some nasty tasting teas that have helped with my anxiety. So again, I think like the experimentation aspect with supplements is a process and it kind of sucks because there's just going to be blends that don't work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's really disheartening, but I just want to encourage anyone listening who hasn't found the right blend yet to keep on trying. And that does come from a place of privilege because I know these supplements are expensive, but starting with something as simple as calcium magnesium, which actually you can get on the cheap these days or snorting some lavender essential oil, which you can get for a fair (laughs) price, you know, things like that. Don't give up because I think it's so easy to throw in the towel and be like, none of this shit works for me when, I mean, I'm saying all this 12 years in, like it's, it's a, it's a very specific cocktail and it's difficult to find the ingredients. Yeah. And you have to keep playing around with lots of different things. Speaking of acupuncture, does body work help you in any way? Like does actually acupuncture help or massage or like those sorts of things? Acupuncture does help me. I have not been consistent about it. I went this week and I found a place that I really love. So I'm excited to go back. And over the years, I've gone inconsistently 
But when I do go, it helps. Uh, and there are some places that take insurance and there are places uh, where you can buy packages that make it a little bit more accessible. But when I first developed anxiety, I went consistently to acupuncture for like six months because mm. I could not get my shit together. And it was like one baseline thing I knew was helping me because I was at that point, I think I was on... Lexapro. But like I wasn't exercising. I was still getting really scared whenever I had a panic attack. So like I just was missing all of the things we just talked about. Mm -hmm. I hadn't figured out that those worked yet. And acupuncture was just a tool that I knew even just the 45 minutes I was there had a calming effect. So I went, yeah, consistently for about six months. And I felt like that helped me get over that initial finding my footing hump where like everything seemed unmanageable that really really helped me yeah I think that routine again of yeah. just like whether it's placebo or not like just having consistent things that you do is always helpful I haven't done any body work outside of that though have you my therapist actually told me recently, she was like, I think touch therapy would actually be really important for you right now because I can my anxiety like I'll, I'll feel really, really lonely because I also have depression. Yeah. So I think I can, and anxiety is kind of on the other so, side of that. But they go hand in hand. Hand in hand, yeah. And so she was saying for me that that would be a really useful thing. And honestly, the beauty of New York is like, we have so mm -hmm. many great like cheap massage places that are actually really lovely and great. And like, especially in my neighborhood. So I was doing that like pretty consistently, like a couple times a week of like going to, even getting like a foot massage or mm. getting just like having someone touch me and like laying down and feeling safe and cozy and warm, especially in the winter, it was like really useful and kind of got me same thing with like the, the jewel idea of like getting out of your head and into your body. I think that can be really useful, but we talked about this a little bit in another episode. Like you don't really like being touched I don't like to be when touched. you're, yeah. <laughs> like, get away from me. See, Wait, have you done tapping? I've tried. I had a tapping expert on my podcast. I'm doing it Ooh. right now. But I haven't. I feel like it would be good for me. Tapping for anybody that doesn't know, as I'm watching Katie tap various parts of her face <laughs> I and can body never right now. Remember, it's that. essentially isn't it just tapping different it's pressure points? It's points. acupressure points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, hmm, I bet there's a YouTube video I can yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should get back into it. But yeah, I think those. And then also the one thing that we touched upon at the beginning that I would like to come back to is reading. Such a huge thing mm -hmm. for me, like reading novels. And I like like shitty books. Like I call them medium trashy books. They're not like, I mean, Danielle Steele, but I'm also not trying to read The Sound and the Fury for fun. You know, it's more middle of the road, either romances or thrillers or whatever, because having to focus so closely on a story is so helpful because my brain is unable to spiral about other things. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you must pay attention. And it's kind of meditation in the sense that when you think about it, have you ever been reading and you read the same page two or three times and you're like, oh, you mm -hmm. go back to the beginning? But it's kind of like when you're trying to meditate, I'm not a big meditation person in general, but like with mindfulness med meditation, if you're just breathing and thoughts come up, you just gently let the thoughts go mm. and come back to your breath. And that's how it is for me with reading. Like sometimes it's more successful than others. And like if I have to gently bring my mind back to the page and start the page over, that is okay. But it's more, TV is not relaxing for me because I can still mind race. I can still be on my phone. I can still do a billion other things with reading. I have to focus. And I've started, I, I've always been a huge reader, but this year, especially, I've 
tried to devote as much time like of my free time to reading as possible over TV. So now I read in the bath. I read if I'm in a waiting room. I read, you know, if I have a little bit of time before dinner. And it's just made me feel so much more balanced overall. Plus, I really like stories. It's just wonderful yeah. escapism. It's a really human thing to love yeah. stories. And I think the reason that you you've this has been something that's been new for me that I've been doing now too because of you i think the reason why we like it and and it's similar to some of the other things we've talked about it forces you to be present and i think anxiety yes. can't happen when you're being present yep and when you're watching tv or doing any other things you can do multiple things at once and multitask but when you're doing one thing i think that's the most useful thing for anxiety so highly everyone go get a book yeah <laughs> Sponsored by your local library. Yeah, I mean, I know, well, on the flip of reading, I know writing is a big thing that helps you with your anxiety. Yeah. And it's the exact same reason. So I like journaling so much. I wrote an entire book about it a couple <laughs> of years ago, which is like a cookbook for journaling, basically. It's a bunch of recipes for, for journaling. Be. But the reason, and I talk about this in the book, the reason why journaling was so helpful for me is because it slowed me down. When you're writing, especially handwriting, I can type as quickly as I can think. But when I'm handwriting, we can't really write that fast. And you're only focusing on one thing. So even if I was writing about a spiral or writing about something yeah. I was anxious about or uncomfortable about, I was at least doing that one thing. And I was getting it out of my head onto the page. Like that's why all my stuff is called let it out. Because if I got it out, it's almost like having a conversation with a good friend. You feel a little lighter after, after therapy. If you share something that you're spiraling about, it starts to dissipate when it's shared. And journaling was a way for me to share something with the most non-judgmental friend you have. You know, it was just befriending yourself essentially. It was kind of like solo therapy. It was someone who loves therapy and it's not actually therapy, but it was a way for me to make therapy deeper and make my relationships deeper because I first got clear on what I was even thinking because sometimes we have we have like 60,000 thoughts a day. I figured out when I was doing research for the book. And so we can be jumping around between a million different things. So have you ever felt like you don't even know what you're thinking about something? Yes. And so I feel like I don't know what I'm thinking until I'm writing, until I like stop and pause. And it became really useful for me. So it's still something I do, you know, every day. It's not something I do at a specific time every single day. I've gone through cycles where I've done morning pages every morning, or I'll write a little bit in the evening. But sometimes it's just like the other day, like I journaled on a plane and it felt really good. And I felt a little clearer about something. And it's just something that, I don't know, it's free. It's, you can do it anywhere. You don't have to do it at a specific time. I, I find it to be like one of the most useful tools in my belt. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I want to latch on to what you said is like, calling a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is such an underrated, also somewhat free yeah. <laughs> anxiety management tool. I find that calling a friend or going to see a friend in person, sometimes when I'm very anxious, I'm, the thought of interacting with someone via phone or in person cannot seem like something I want to do. But once I force myself to do it, that human connection and usually people that you love are going to make you laugh or make you yeah. feel safe or get you out of your own head. Sometimes I will call a friend and force them to talk about something, anything in their life so that I cannot think about myself. And that I find is very helpful. And the flip is like, if I'm spiraling, that's why I love doing this podcast with you is yeah. like, I can 
talk out that spiral and like a friend will either commiserate and be like, oh, like I had something similar and this is what I did and or they'll just hear me out or they'll be like, that is actually insane. I'm like, that is, you do not need to be thinking about that. Or they'll just give me some much needed perspective and make me feel happy and loved. It's a good instant happy. Yeah. Yeah. Human connection, big, big anxiety management tool. Yeah. It makes you, I think there's this Ansan Suchi quote that says, when you're feeling helpless, help someone. Mm. And it does, it gets you out of your head. Like if you can be of service to someone or be useful to someone or like do something that's kind to someone. I've even found, and I I talked to you about this, of this is something that we're different on, but for me, like New York has been really helpful. Like when I'm really anxious or especially, maybe this is more useful for depression, I think, but when I'm feeling really low and I'm really sad, being out in the world and around people gets me out of my head and reminds me that I'm part of something bigger and that I'm not the only one that's felt this way. I've been sad before. I'll This, is, this will pass essentially. Mm-hmm. And to be out in the world and see other, like, where the, I'm feeling really sad, but the world is still happening. It is still, the news is still playing. The people are out there. You can, I can buy this thing if I want to. Like just interacting with the world is is yes. useful. And then I also think talking about anxiety, and I want to know what you think about this. I feel like spirals are pretty closely related to shame sometimes because we were talking mm-hmm. about guilt. And I think Brene Brown talks about the difference between guilt and shame, but she talks about how shame is feeling like I'm bad and guilt is like, I did a bad thing I could have done differently, but shame dissipates when it's shared. So if you like start to share it with someone, it starts to go away. And I feel like calling a friend has been the most useful, like nothing helps my anxiety more than like, that's why we had this idea for this podcast, you know, sharing your spirals, getting them out of your head. Like essentially this is what we're doing. Talking about anxiety has been, I started doing this, I don't know, years ago on my blog. And I remember the feeling after I wrote my first long post about anxiety and that feeling, sure, honestly, there was maybe a little bit of like, oh, I wonder what people will think about me now. But that was a very tiny part. I was mostly just relieved. It felt so good to just be like, this is what I'm, (laughs) to let it out, to be like, this is who I am. This is how I'm feeling. And put it out into the universe and then also receive so much love back, which is why we like, that's the same as, you know, you call your friend, they love on you and that's, Mm -hmm. or you tell your parents or your spouse, partner, whatever, that you are struggling and they love on you and it helps. And I think that it's the reason that I talk about anxiety to the people I love, but also to the people I don't know, but love virtually on the internet. And again, why we started this podcast. Because like, it's so lovely and cathartic to talk about something that so many of us deal with and just have so much weird, you know, so many strange feelings, including shame and guilt about when ultimately, when we can release ourselves from those feelings is when we can actually take control over our anxiety. Yeah. And don't you think that we're, I think as humans, we're wired for connection. We so I think, absolutely I mean, it's why 12 steps exist, right? Yeah. Like for OCD or for addiction, it's like having a community has been proven to be useful with mental health things and just yeah. and all, all things, you know, like we're wired to, you know, talk about our feelings and make people feel less alone. And yeah, it's useful. I think, I mean, 
all of these tools combined are how we get through our days. Mm -hmm. I think the last one that I want to add is finding a, a couple or as many as you possibly can. I call them instant happies, but like short little things yeah. that you always know are going to perk you up, whether that's playing a loud song that you like and like flopping about or singing like along with it or watching a YouTube video that you particularly love. If you have more time, you know, you can do stuff like take a bath or whatever, but ultimately it's meant to be a very short thing. Like yeah. I have a video on my phone from, I don't know, like three years ago or something. And it's from a vacation Logan and I were on and there's this blow up raft and he goes, run, I have to link to this. He, it was an obstacle course and he runs towards this blow up wall and stubs his toe and then falls backward oh, into no. the water. <laughs> He's totally fine, everyone. But it's like the, it's a four second clip and it never fails to make me like actually laugh out loud. So sometimes I will pull it up if I'm like in a scenario where I'm like, I am really panicking i have very little time to get this under control so i'll like take some deep breaths oh, and like watch that. this video <laughs> i love that but finding instant happy yeah is a very and leaning into tool. like what feels good like i did this yesterday i just i was feeling pretty good and i was afraid that that was going to go away mm -hmm. and so i was just like okay just keep doing things that make you happy keep listening to that funny podcast like you don't need to learn something right now Le lean into like do stuff that makes you feel good. Read the book instead of getting yep. eight more emails done. Like focus on feeling good. That will actually make you more productive in the long term. I couldn't agree more. I also want to say that some days or some p life periods, you are going to eat all the right things and be perfectly hydrated and have exercised and have taken your supplements and indulged in your instant happy and done everything that has worked for you in the past, and you are still going to feel fucking terrible. And in that case, just ride it out. That's my biggest thing is stop trying to fix it. Take the proactive steps, but then if those don't work, just understand that it's not your fault. You did nothing wrong. You are just anxious and you're going to feel that way and it's going to pass. And I think leaning into that versus being like, well, fuck, I tried this. What else can I do? And what else can I do? And what else can I do? And just that is only going to make the anxiety worse. Sometimes you just got to lean into it and, and ride it out. You always come out the other side. Yeah. Always, 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 always. That's a, that's such a good one. Okay. I think we covered all. That's everything. Find the cocktail that works yes, for you. Fine. Sit there and, Clearly, there are so many different avenues. So just experiment, experiment, experiment. I hope, you know, some of these resonated with some of you who are already doing similar things or maybe you found a new thing to try. But just know that everybody's quote unquote prescription is absolutely personal and it should be customized and don't give up. Yeah. Look at this as a buffet. Take yes. what you want and leave the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we do high, higher, higher? Yes. Yes. Okay, so do you want to go first? Sure. My high this week is that, oh, I think it's that I found this acupuncture place oh, good, that I yeah. really like because now I'm going to go back and it's going to stay part of my routine and yeah. I'm pumped about it. My hire <laughs> is that 
I went to the doctor and I got antibiotics and I'm going to feel better soon. Great. And that feels fabulous. My highest, ooh, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. I had a dinner party oh, yeah. on Saturday night and I haven't had one in a while just because we've been traveling a lot. And it was a very funny group of people in the sense that they each of them are very close friends of Logan and or myself, but they don't really know each other. Like they've all met before, but they're not friends with each other. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it would be like a funny group. Yeah. And it was such a good mix of personalities and they all ended up loving each other. And it was just like a hilarious dinner. And I forgot how much I a, love to bring people to like to be a you know facilitator of yeah. new friendships, but also to cook for my people because I feel like I haven't had as much time recently just to like cook for fun and to cook for people I love. And that's like we've talked about, that's sort of like one of that's my love language. Yeah. And it was such a lovely night. And oh, that was I nice. love that. I love that. And you made me breakfast this morning, which yes. could be that 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 there's my high <laughs> and your love language. And it was delicious and beautiful. I love watching you make even something simple like toast because you make it like a chef. Like you it's so it's really beautiful to watch. Okay. My higher then would be I went to visit my best friend this weekend, Simi, and her son is the cutest kid ever. He's so adorable. And I taught him the word celebration, <laughs> which is fitting to our to our episode because we were talking about celebrating. And it was so cool to like he he was he had a, his first swim lesson and he was really nervous to go and so I was like oh sh- after you go to your swim lesson we'll have a celebration and so then <gasps> the entire weekend he would come up to me and be like celebration celebration <laughs> celebration and so I think that could be my instant happy I can just yes. think of him wanting to have a celebration and I feel like it's something we all should like do more of you could know celebrate something more. um and then yesterday I had drinks with an old coworker of mine and his wife and they just were so comforting and lovely and made me feel better. And I left like on such a high and it just, I don't know if you've ever had like a, a good meeting or dinner or hangout. Yes. And then you're just like, that made me feel better after I wasn't even really like looking for, it was just a thing on my calendar. No, and then you, I, you were surprised. So yeah. And you were surprised. It was more fun than I thought it was going to be, Ah, which is always a good best. feeling. Yeah. All right. We did it. Let's just Shall claim. We claim. Let's do it. As you may have gathered from our conversation today, (laughs) neither of us is a doctor. Nor do we pretend to be doctors. We're just two friends sharing our experiences about anxiety. If you're struggling with your mental health, while we encourage you to talk to a professional, we also want to remind you that you are not alone. You are not weird or damaged or crazy. And you do not owe anyone an explanation for your mental health. We love you so much. We love you. Bye. Bye.